One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time. Hello, and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen, find out what you can tolerate watching for a family movie night what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 12 and Libby and Nate are nine. And I have two kids. Jay is six and Kenny is three. They are so adorable, aren't they? They are adorable most of the time. (laughs) We like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. And if we didn't get it done at the top of the episode, it would happen all throughout and you guys would start to complain. So we just like to get it over with. So Deborah, what have your kids been up to? There is a read-a-thon competition for the month of February at my twins elementary school and so they basically have to track all the minutes that they read add them up and like the winning class gets like a pizza party or something like that um and they're so cute because this year they can actually track the minutes themselves and I don't have to poke and prod them to do it and it's fun like And they're getting, they're like a little bit competitive with each other and with their classmates. Um, But we did, so they like to listen to audiobooks on an iPad. But then we had to explain, like, you can't just play an iPad with an audiobook in the same room while you like play something with your sibling. (laughs) Because then you're not really, (laughs) the audiobook is going, but it's not going in your ears. (laughs) Right, right. You need to pay active attention. That is a hard, a hard rule. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But audiobooks count. And like, if I read to them, that counts. And if they read to the dog, that counts. So they're, they're quickly adding up all their minutes. What sorts of stories does Coco like? <laughs> she listens to Dogman. <laughs> oh, at least she will, so I don't have to. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> How about your kids? So as I mentioned to you before we started recording, Kenny has a cold right now. And you know, like, if you're ever out in public with your kids these days, even if you know that they don't have COVID, like, you're lunging at them to cover their mouth or nose when they're coughing or sneezing when you're out in public just to like yeah don't cough yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so Kenny has obviously been taking these actions on my part seriously because we were doing something on the couch and I got something stuck in my nose and I said I'm gonna sneeze I'm gonna sneeze and he takes his forearm and holds it in front of my nose oh <laughs> Kenny how thoughtful it was really cute and then like I laughed hysterically about it and did not sneeze so now he does it all the time <laughs> oh that's sweet All right, so we were kind of hard-pressed to find a good article for screen time in the news today, so we're just going to kind of do little short bites of various things going on. So it's kind of like screen time in the news slash general news, 
this week. Um, right off the top, just so you know, listeners, there are now new episodes of Do, Ray, and Me, a preschool show on Amazon Prime that neither of us cared for very much. But if that's <laughs> your jam, more episodes are available. Um, you may have also noticed in the pop culture press and the celebrity covering press that a lot of news outlets like People and the Daily Mail and yeah, like I said, pretty much anything that covers celebrity news. Prince William made some mention of the fact that he and Kate struggle with monitoring their kids screen time. So there you go, guys. Royals. They're just like us. Yeah, Prince um, Prince William made it sound like he was really on top of what they were watching and playing, which surprised me. Yeah. So we also found a listicle on today.com from January 31st. And today.com is like the online arm of the Today Show, which I am someone who is pretty much unaware of the Today Show generally and even more unaware of the fact that they have an online presence, but whatever. So they had a listicle of family-friendly movies to watch during Black History Month. And it's called 15 Movies About Black History to Watch with Your Family. I kind of take issue with this whole concept because Black History Month is not like Christmas. Like, you don't need, like, holiday-specific, time-period-specific these movies are perfectly right. appropriate anytime. This is an instance where, like, every month should be Black History Month. And these should not be trotted out just in the month of February. We can enjoy them all year long. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get what the article was going for. But like you wrote, there's never a bad time for these movies. Yes. One thing I did think was kind of missing because it's so current is King Richard, which is on HBO. That's the movie about Serena and Venus Williams when they were growing up. Yes. And it's even gotten like several Oscar nominations. And I heard it's good. Have you seen it? I haven't watched it yet. I feel like that would be a good family movie for us to watch. You know, like it's good for kids to watch those like movies just about people who are high achievers and what their childhood was like Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that it takes a lot of swings and misses before you like learn to just I'm trying to make a sports metaphor and it's unraveling even before it comes out of my mouth the whole like (laughs) perseverance aspect Mm -hmm. I think is really valuable to emphasize even for people who are very successful. Mm -hmm. Right. Speaking of that, have you, this is moving on a little bit. Have you and your family been watching any Olympics? Not as much as I would like to, because it's, it's a problem of the streaming age, right? Like we're just not flipping through channels. So I, I often don't think about it till it's too late. Plus like we're never awake for the big ticket or my kids are never awake for the big ticket events, which means I need to think about recording them in advance, which I obviously don't do. So no, we haven't watched very much. How about you? We've watched just a little bit, but I realized when I was a kid, they were a big deal because that was the only thing on. It displaced all the other programming, like the major network that it was on wouldn't play its regular shows. And then I think other networks would just play reruns during that two-week period, you know? So, of course, you were going to watch the Olympics. It was the only, like, current cool thing on. It's the same problem I had with the 
summer Olympics, which I just struggle to know where to find them. Like if you don't, because it's Xfinity owned by NBC Universal. Mm, I don't know, but you do need to have like cable. Well, I think it'll be over by the time this episode is out, but for us, there's still a week left. So maybe we can get some figure skating in goals, important goals. (laughs) So should we move on to today's topic? Let's do it. We are talking about Hotel Transylvania Transformania. It was supposed to come out in December of 2021, but Sony canceled the scheduled theatrical release due to the Omicron surge. Sold the distribution to Amazon and the movie came out on Amazon Prime on January 14th, 2022. It's rated PG. It's 87 minutes long, which, you know, is on the right side of my ideal kid movie length. All the Hotel Transylvania films are pretty short, ranging from 87 to 97 minutes. It's directed by Jennifer Kluska and Derek Dryman in their feature-length directorial debuts. It was written by Amos Vernon, Nunzio Randazzo, and Gendi Tartakovsky. And he directed the previous three films. He's looked on as one of the major influences and talents in modern TV animation. Listeners, back when we reviewed Kid Cosmic, we had uh, guest Shella on to talk about animation nerd stuff. And she mentioned how important Tartakovsky is in modern animation. Plus, there's a ton of big name voice talent in this movie and in the whole series of Hotel Transylvania movies. This one uh, stars Andy Samberg, Selena Gomez, Katherine Hahn, Jim Gaffigan, Steve Buscemi, Molly Shannon, David Spade, Keegan-Michael Key, Fran Drescher. Adam Sandler and Kevin James are not in this movie. And they've, pre- they've voiced Drac and Frankenstein in the first three Hotel Transylvania movies. So in this Transformania part four of the franchise, Drac is going to retire and he's going to leave his hotel to his daughter, Mavis, and her super annoying husband, his son-in-law, Johnny. But then he reneges at the last moment and he tells Johnny that he can't leave it to him because he's a human. So then Johnny turns himself into a monster, but the flip side of that is that everybody else (laughs) becomes human. Then they have to travel to South America to find a crystal to reverse the spell. We picked it because there are four of these movies and we've never covered it, which is kind of amazing. And just like uh, the How to Train Your Dragon series. So we're catching up and uh, one of Katie's favorite animation podcasts, Fine Tuning, T-O-O-N-E-N, with Drew Taylor mentioned it as an example of modern Chuck Jones style animation. So that's why you put it on the watch list. All right. So I guess we should start out by asking, had you seen any of the other movies prior to this? I hadn't. And I hadn't really realized they were not Adam's family movies. (laughs) (laughs) It does give a similar vibe. I think my kids may have watched one or two of these, but I haven't participated. How about you? I have wandered through the background when the first one is being watched. So I feel like I had a decent grasp of the plot on that one, but that's it for me too. So for all intents and purposes, we were both pretty new to the franchise going into it. Did you like it? I honestly, I did. Yeah, tell me more. I I liked it. Okay. And maybe this has something to do with like 
my expectations were pretty down on the floor Mm -hmm. because it's the fourth film in this franchise. Usually like think of Despicable Me as an example by the third one. It's not going to be a good movie. It's just studios know it's going to make money. So I did think the plot was a little thin, but I thought that the filler was entertaining. Yeah, it was a joke machine. Like if you weren't getting a visual joke, there was some dialogue that was making you laugh. It was just a constant stream of things to laugh at that had nothing Mm -hmm. to do with the actual plot that was going on. Right. And it's just, it's such a genius premise to have monsters, monsters be turned into humans and like the dad bods of all the (laughs) Drac and the Frankenstein character and the invisible guy. That was just super funny to me. I agree with you that the plot was really thin. I think we both may have benefited from any goodwill accrued from watching the prior movies Mm -hmm. that maybe would have helped us jump right in and maybe care more about what was going on Uh, and not having that there was not a lot to latch on to other than the jokes which it should be said were super solid and often when you're watching these things as a grown-up like that's what you need anyway and that's always going to be more important than the plot it did remind me a bit of that Jess Gross article that we read a couple Mm -hmm. months ago this article was about how often kids movies append a moral onto a story when they don't necessarily need to and I felt that a lot in this one like Mm -hmm. there was comedy to be mined in the idea of a father-in-law and a son-in-law who are very dissimilar being forced to spend time together and we didn't need the moralizing at the end of it and it felt pretty cheap and unnecessary I guess Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't even think my kids took anything away from that bit of it. So I don't know that you're doing kids a service either by throwing that in. Yeah, that's a good point. Some minor plot quibbles, even though, I mean, it's a movie about monsters turning into humans and humans turning into monsters. Like, we're not looking for realism. But what I gathered is that Dracula's daughter, Mavis, is also a vampire. She married a human, Johnny. Mm hmm. And they had a child who was briefly in this movie, like a little red-haired human-looking child, was their offspring that they just did not pay attention to at any point during this huge adventure. Like, they're going off to South America to find this crystal. And at no point does anyone ever say, like, who's looking after little so-and-so or whatever their kid's name is I could not let it go I was thinking about it the whole time because you know who they did take on this adventure they took all the little werewolf puppies so it's not like kids weren't allowed why were there so many werewolf puppies (laughs) there were a lot of werewolf puppies that was really weird I don't think of canines as super breeders like rabbits but I think that is a running joke because his wife was pregnant too so The number of kids they have must be a running joke in this series. Yeah. Yeah, they were really bad parents. Or at least the dad was. It was totally like a, oh, dad should not be expected to know how many children they have sort of thing. That got Mm -hmm. on my nerves. Mm -hmm. But I did worry about Mavis and Johnny's son throughout. And maybe that took (laughs) me out of the plot a little bit more than than I needed to be. (laughs) (laughs) 
I know you're cartoon parents, but like, be good parents. <laughs> right. <laughs> On the topic of Johnny and Mavis's subpar parenting, were there any characters that you particularly liked? You mentioned the human version of a lot of the monsters. Yeah, I liked how they were represented visually. Like, immediately you know what happens because like Drac and his vampire form is like tall and regal and like has cut cheekbones and stuff and then he's just got bags under his eyes as a human being he's balding he has like a paunch (laughs) that was so funny um I liked him I thought Johnny was so irritating and he's supposed to be right but to watch him the whole movie and be kind of annoying. Like when they're in South America, the jungle on this never ending journey to find the crystal, like Drac is like carrying all the equipment in a really heavy backpack. And it's not until very late in the film that Johnny, who's like a giant monster at this time, (laughs) takes on that burden, which for him is not much of a burden. So I was like, come on, Johnny. Yeah, of course you're, I totally see why your father-in-law doesn't like you. (laughs) And I wonder too, if there was more instances in the previous movies that maybe Johnny would have grown on us more because yeah, he was pretty infuriating. I was on team vampire all the way. Yeah. And what is, so what is the, the mom, Mavis's mom, what kind of a creature is she all right this is what I was able to piece together talking to Kevin it's not Mavis's mom it's her stepmom and she is a human oh um she is like a Van Helsing who are traditionally like the vampire hunters so it's you mentioned despicable me and that's all I could think about when like I realized it oh so they were brute they were enemies and then they fell in love and got married I've seen that somewhere before okay so this is a blended family yeah got it so there was a little bit of speculation around the fact that Adam Sandler in particular and why can't I remember this dude's first name Kevin yeah there's a little bit of speculation (laughs) around the fact (laughs) nope leaving that in and Kevin James (laughs) We're not part of the voice talent when I feel like part of the reason I had not ever seen the franchise is because I thought of it as an Adam Sandler movie. And in fact, I thought of the whole franchise as just kind of a cartoon extension of the Grown Ups movies. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not interested in that like kind of bro vibe at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I assumed it would be based on the presence of Sandler and James. So mm-hmm. there was some speculation about why they got out of it for this version. And the most likely supposition seems to be that it was due to their ongoing Netflix deals that for some oh. reason they weren't able to participate with Sony. Okay. But no, no official explanation has been given. Since I hadn't seen any of the previous ones, I didn't necessarily miss their voices. And I assume the case was the same with you. Okay, so because I thought this was just all part of the Adams Family movies, it totally slipped by me that Adam Sandler had a role in these movies. And I've been true to our opposite uh, critics 
favorites. I am an Adam Sandler stan and I have been like my whole life. So if I had known he was the voice of Drac, I would have watched all of these movies. And now I can't wait to go back to the beginning and watch them with my kids. I know, Katie, I know. It's like I don't know you at all. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I don't even know what to say. I'm sorry. I used to listen to his albums. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, and tons of people, I shouldn't say that, tons of people our age love his early movies like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to believe that I am in the minority there. I just... I think you just have a more sophisticated palette (laughs) of (laughs) film and television, honestly. I don't know that I would say that, but thank you for the compliment. (laughs) But once we dive into the question of the animation on this movie, I think I will not prove myself to be a sophisticate. Uh, (laughs) Because part of the thing that made this movie intriguing to me as something to cover, as you mentioned at the top, was that uh, Tartakovsky and Craig McCracken, who we've talked about in the past, are often looked at as like the inheritors of the Chuck Jones style of animation, which is really like kind of anti-Disney in the sense that it adheres to realism a lot less. Is Sorry, is Chuck Jones like Looney Tunes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So it has kind of that more anarchic spirit. And the animation is able to follow the zaniness in a way that it's not able to do in, say, a Disney movie because they want things to look fairly realistic. So when you have, for example, a scene with Johnny trying to follow Van Helsing through like a labyrinth of really weirdly shaped corridors, you'll see his body bend in ways that is are impossible for a human body to bend because it's funny to see and he Mm -hmm. is a drawn character or a computer animated character and we can do that like in a way that we can't do with human bodies and there is I think a solid argument to be made that we should see more of that in animation because it's not live action and why should we treat it as such right Uh, And I thought that those kind of moments really added to my enjoyment of the movie just because it made it zanier and wackier and funnier and more interesting to watch and a way to make up for what I thought was a weak plot. I don't know. Did you like some of those moments or did you wish that the animation was more, I don't want to say true to life because like no one's looking at Elsa and thinking, oh yeah, that seems like an honest human body. Um, But you know what I mean? Like respecting perspective and body mechanics at least yeah no I really liked it there were a few scenes that were evocative of like the Roadrunner cartoons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like that's a great on the cliff and then they're like dropping through uh the open air and all of the uh, stuff that goes on in the air <laughs> to be able to survive a fall like that like I enjoy watching animation like that and also remember that show apple and onion yeah we liked so much so there was a bit in this movie that reminded me of that when like every like monster is changing into their human form and then blobby is like this big gelatinous green blob and then there's like a beat where you don't know exactly what blobby's human form is going to be and then he's a green jello mold (laughs) 
That was hilarious. I laughed out loud. I just need, because you just reminded me of that awesome joke in Apple and Onion, because didn't he like bump into an animate (laughs) jello on the subway and get something stuck inside of it? Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that show is great, listeners. I, I mean, that was a long time ago that we covered it, so you could be forgiven for not listening to that episode, but go back and check out Apple and Onion. It's hilarious. (laughs) um it's funny that you brought up the coyote because I was thinking in particular about how sometimes he walks off a cliff and when he realizes that he is not standing on solid ground not only does he hang there for a while but he also like pulls out a sign that says like (laughs) or something Uh, I was thinking about that specifically when Mavis Drac's daughter is in her bat form and she's flying with Johnny the dragon and at one point she pulls out a cell phone and it's like (laughs) she doesn't have pockets she's a bat where did that come from but it doesn't matter (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah this just seemed visually joyful in that way that I found really pleasant Yeah, totally. Uh, We talked about the plot being thin, but that doesn't mean that there weren't any jokes in the writing. Like, I think for what it was, the comedic elements of the script were pretty solid. What do you think? I think so, too. I don't have any specific instances, but it didn't drag. It moved, clipped right along, and I was entertaining throughout, I thought. Yeah, the fact that it was short really helped with the fact that the plot was lacking. Like, Mm -hmm. even if it was bad, you only had 87 minutes of it to get through. And your eyes were at least entertained, even if your brain wasn't. Right. What adult movie or show does this compare to? I mean, the monsters as protagonists angle really made me think back fondly to the first season of Penny Dreadful. Did you ever watch that show? Mm, No. It was years ago. It was maybe the first year that we were podcasting. Um, Okay. And it was on one of the premium channels. I want to say Showtime, question mark. And it was like Victorian London was populated by Victor Frankenstein, the Frankenstein monster, a werewolf. Let's see what other characters you had like witches and I don't know, like all of the classic horror villains were there um and it was like dark and grimy and like the victorian Mm -hmm. era way and it starred eva green who is just like such a great hammy quasi evil presence (laughs) (laughs) so that's definitely what it made me think of and want to watch again in you know all my free time how about you uh it made me think of what we do in the shadows because it's like funny vampires um, and it also made me think of Meet the Fockers because of the father-in-law, son-in-law dynamic. I kind of hate to say this, but I put Ben Stiller in the same bucket as Adam Sandler. I really don't care for his stuff. That's that's fair. Have you cast the gritty HBO reboot? Kind of piecemeal. I recently started watching the very good but very hard to watch documentary We Need to Talk About Cosby. Oh, how is that? And that's directed and well, I believe directed, but at least produced by W. Kamau Bell. Oh, wow. And it kind of made me forget how much I like him and how funny I think he is, Mm -hmm. which is a testament to him that I can still be having those thoughts while watching this documentary, which again is very heavy. So I thought I would like to see him as at least 
as at least one of the like kind of sidekick monster into human characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he has Drac in him, but I think he could probably do good with any of the others. Mm-hmm. Johnny made me think of an Doctor Who era Matt Smith. Do you know that actor? No, I don't think so. He played um, Prince Philip in the early seasons of The Crown. Oh, okay, I haven't watched that. Okay, uh, much. Well, he had the he had this like rubbery quality to his body where like you got the feeling like he was moving through space, but he wasn't really sure how like human arms and legs were supposed to work. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that would be a solid choice as Johnny, the extremely uh, irritating son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Hacks? Oh gosh, I loved Hacks. Yeah, yeah. So I would cast Hannah. Einbinder as Mavis. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and that then I was good. trying to think who I'd like to see as Drac. And my kids have been super obsessed with Star Wars The Force Awakens lately. Like, oh, we watched it so many times I could probably quote it for you verbatim <laughs> at this point. And I do tend to forget how funny Oscar Isaacs can be. So even though he's definitely not balding and he does not have a dad bod... <laughs> I want to cast him as Dracula. Nice. How about you? So I was inspired by a recent The Daily Zeitgeist episode where they discussed whether or not Nicolas Cage is goth. <laughs> and they decided that, yes, Nicolas Cage is goth. I mean, isn't isn't Nicolas Cage all things? Like, isn't he the sun, <laughs> the moon, the stars? Well, no one thing defines him, that's for sure. <laughs> He would be cast as a uh, live action Drac. Like it. And then Selena Gomez is really good. I really liked her in Murders in the Building. So she could play Mavis. So Mavis and Drac would go to DC and they would discover that the reason that some long running politicians have been able to work into their 80s and 90s is because they are actually vampires. And so they would find a crystal somewhere that would turn the likes of Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Susan Collins, Chuck Schumer back into human form. So they would finally retire. (laughs) That is great. I love that angle. And let some fresh perspective into the nation's capital. And then I could end with like Johnny swearing in. And you're like, oh no, we thought it was a good idea, but no. So was it better when we were kids? Before we move on to our next evergreen question, can I just rewind and make an animation comment really quick? Oh, sure. So I know we said that this style of animation does not need to respect perspective at all and things don't need to be realistic. But every time Dracula's wife was on screen and they were talking to one another, so like face to face. So mm-hmm. she was in profile to the quote unquote camera. It looked like she had a toothache and it was so distracting that like I couldn't because she's a very apple cheeked design. Yeah. And like the way they cheated it to make her face to the side, one of her cheeks was always bulging out to such a ridiculous degree. And it feels ridiculous to say that something took me out of the moment. Like I wasn't so absorbed that this was that this should have been as distracting as it was but I could not stop thinking about it like 
does she have a toothache? Are her cheeks normally like wild? Maybe it's just the way she looks like one cheek is way bigger, but then they would show her straight on and they'd be normal. It was a big deal to me. I'm glad I got it off my chest. Thank you. Okay. Um, better when we were kids. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we had the good old Looney Tunes cartoons. I don't Mm -hmm. know that I feel like I was really lacking this. How about you? Yeah, I wouldn't like this is fine. I don't feel like I missed out not having it in my childhood. Would you watch this alone or any of the Hotel Transylvania movies alone voluntarily? Definitely not. In fact, I was kind of glad that Kenny was sick last night because we couldn't go to dance class and we had time to sit down and watch this as a family. So I didn't have to watch it by myself. (laughs) (laughs) how about you I don't think I would watch them alone but I do want to go back to the beginning and see them and I would propose them as a family movie night option for my kids well we should definitely get updates on the podcast I will not be joining you on that endeavor 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids there are so many jokes visual jokes that I think anybody can get that I think that's definitely a plus for kids of all ages it is rated PG and there were definitely some scary moments particularly for Kenny although Mm. Jay seemed to take them in stride so depending on your kids tolerance for momentary moments of fear that are quickly resolved right did you watch it with your kids I watched it by myself and I totally enjoyed it I think it's fine for my kids Tony might be a little old to want to watch it he might be ready for like a happy Gilmore or a Billy Madison oh my gosh that might be true yeah those movies probably don't hold up yeah ratings this is so hard because yeah it was fun to watch but the plot was so bad but I feel like that that shouldn't necessarily be a a primary concern because so much of what we watch has bad plots Mm -hmm. so maybe I have to give it as high as a four which is weird because I don't feel like I really liked it but I did like it visually so I'm gonna I've talked it through now I'm gonna stick with that I'll give it a four how about you I'm also feeling generous and would give it a four unexpected All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even Gmail at myscreentime2. Send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye!